To the latest edition to hear that podcast, growling, Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here. The draft is over, Jay. We did it. We made it. Congratulations. I think we're still alive. I think I counted three naps yesterday that I took. Good for you. <laughs> now, I had a busy Sunday in front of me, and I remember waking up thinking, I can't believe this day is already starting. It's just I don't I'm not prepared uh, to to fully check all these boxes off. But we did it. We're back here, back at the stadium here, actually, um, here where there was a Bengals open locker room uh, on Monday, uh, otherwise known as, you know, I guess during the draft, we saw Fallout Boy. This is <laughs> Fallout Day. Yes. Okay? Where we assess the rubble uh, of when a bunch of young guys come in. And a bunch of guys know, well, that added something to uh, my task of making this team, of being a starter, of my future here. Um, and there's winners and losers that come from all of that. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there's guys that maybe expected that to happen, and it didn't happen. Guys like Jackson Carmen, who you go all the way, eight picks and no tackles. Um, so it, it works both ways. And um, it, was a, it was a productive room today. It's a, it's a, lot, of, uh, a lot of faces in there um, talking to the media. No question. A lot to talk about. Let's, let's, let's go through some fallout before we take questions here, Jay, because we didn't, we didn't really have a ton of time to get into the analysis as we were headed off. Shout out to uh, my cousin Dan, who got married on Saturday night, which if you felt the rush in my voice, it was me trying to <laughs> get the podcast done so I could get out to his wedding, uh, which was fabulous. But I do want to take the first 10 minutes here, Jay, and us kind of unpack a little bit of the fallout. Um, you know, for me, I, I think we'll, you'll start where something that we did mention after the draft, and that was, okay, no tight ends, no offensive linemen. And then after the draft, you know, I think Zach Taylor kind of pretty confidently talking about, look, Jackson Carmen's in the mix at right tackle. Jonah Williams is transitioning into right tackle, and he's part of this team. Um, you know, that certainly makes it sound like they feel set there. They backed it up with their actions. I thought it was a belief in those guys. A winner would be Trey Hill, um, who really is the only other center that you know of on this roster right now. Uh, faith in him to come in and be a backup. And really all those guys in the backup, because no, no interior offensive lineman coming off the board at all um, was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, the, the one other guy that's kind of a wild card in this for the Trey Hill um, backup spot is Ben Brown, who a guy that Dane had a draftable grade on last year, but he was coming off injury. He went undrafted. Bengals signed him. He didn't. He he was rehabbing most of the year last year. He I don't. They don't know what they have in him. We haven't seen him do much. Um, the one thing we were both we thought they would take an interior offensive lineman in the draft, and they did not. So that is that's that benefits Trey Hill, who we just we. He's he's a bit of a question mark right now. I played a little bit as a rookie, um, didn't go well, and he's just been grinding in the background since then. Um, uh, you know, another you know a name that feels the fallout would be Joseph Osai, mm -hmm. um, who sees Miles Murphy come in as another edge rusher. Now, I think the concept is: look, we got all these guys, all these edge rushers. You need to come in ways. We were talking to DJ Reader. He talked about how he was the conditioning police. And he's like, you know, Hobby, he's coaching. He he doesn't have time to be 
perfectly monitoring the body language and the huffs and puffs. And he's like, that's me. I told people when to go get him. And so I'd send people in, send them out. He's like, cause I, I, I know. And, and once they started rotating a lot more, I think they felt like everybody was playing better. And reader pointed out he, he, he's, he's like Trey and Sam are psychos. They'll never come off unless you make them. So I started making them. And <laughs> when they did that, you saw the other guys in the background, get a little bit more reps. And they later, Sam himself saying it made a big difference in helping him play better. I think you'll see all of them on the field. I think there's a, there's a path to all of that. The mad scientist was mentioned today, talking to Joe about it and him saying, yeah, I mean, look, when you get Lou, he'll come up with stuff to make it work. Um, but the bottom line is it is another person there. It is, it is an, another name. And for a guy like Osai who had a really nice year um, also got hurt. He talked about his rehab. Uh, he said it's a five month knee uh, injury that he's rehabbing from. He's 12 weeks in. Uh, he fully expects to be back by camp and walking around in OTAs. He pointed out that's all up to the trainers, but you know he's not even going to have that full off season. Um, it seems like he's always dealing with these injuries in the off season. But he's you know he feels it uh, in there too, where you have where you have uh, another option for Lou Anarumo to go to. Yeah, just a, a shame the way that, that that AFC Championship game ended with his penalty because how many guys have we talked to that that have talked about how, how he was coming on anyhow at the end of the year and then that game, that that was his chance to be his kind of breakout uh, game until that, that penalty at the end and everybody kind of forgets about all the good stuff he did leading up to that and then he had the big sack in the regular season game against the Chiefs as well and um, it is, it's... It's a the first round pick plays your position that does raise the antenna a lot of times, but I, I don't think uh, Joseph Osai has a lot to be worried about because it is going to be a case where those guys are going to be moving around and rotating, and uh, it, it might not be an either or thing. We've talked about this on third down; he might look over to his right, and it's it's going to be him and Miles Murphy at those tackle positions in kind of a NASCAR package on third down. So plenty of reps to go around on that D line. Yeah, and Osai talked a little bit about that last play, and you know we haven't really talked to him since uh, that night, and about just you know, uh, yeah, it is a motivator. Like he's not pretending that it isn't something that motivates him or something that he doesn't think about, he hears about, but you know he's he. I, it sounded like somebody who has really listened to a lot of the veterans around him who have told them, like, look, let it go. You, you got you can't let this thing eat you up throughout the whole offseason or let it define you. If you do, you'll, you'll ruin so much of the progress you made. And he sounded like somebody who's really been listening to that and leaning into that um, and has a real positive outlook, um, I think, about who he's going for, as he should. I mean, his trajectory is certainly up and, and looking that direction. Other spots on the off, on the defensive line, I, I think we got to talk about Zach Carter feeling great. I mean, yep. no three, no three technique. They had multiple opportunities to add another three technique. I, I think they like the direction that Zach Carter is headed. He didn't give you enough as a pass rusher last year. They had him put on weight. He was surprisingly good against the run. He just he just didn't give you much as a pass rusher. He's putting on more weight, trying to get more built into a true three technique, kind of like people talked about you would do if you would have drafted um, Adabare. Right, if they would have gone that direction, he they would want him to beef up a little bit, and I think they feel like maybe they already have somebody who has potential like that, um, who can put on more weight and become more of a of a three technique. The question for him this year, they they love the direction he's headed, and maybe he's more ripped, and maybe he's stronger, and maybe that helps. But he's got to be able to get more pass rush, and I think they're taking a chance and betting on year two jump happening with Zach Carter. 
Yeah, because we we did. We thought that could be a position that they would target a three tech, and um, it, it just that happens. These guys come in, and it's it's one thing for corners and receivers to come in and make that quick transition, but when you're going from from playing in in college, even though it was the SEC where where Zach Carter played, you come in and you're going against these grown ass men on the, in the trenches, whether it's O line, D line, the opposite side from you. It takes a while to adjust, and and he was a guy that was a, a little light for what he needed to do so you, you get you, you get some reps you get your feet wet you see what you can you can't do and I, I am I I think there's a lot of confidence in what he can become and they back that up by what they did by what they didn't do in the draft yep um let's discuss this running back situation and then we'll get into questions okay yep. um it so Chase Brown comes in a guy they targeted a guy they liked we discussed this in the final walkout on Saturday. The the thing that's interesting is that he is more, you know, built as someone like Joe Mixon than someone like Samaje P. Ryan or a, a third down back, so to speak. He's not, you know, the two things they said they're going to have to work with him on is pass pro and receiving the ball. Not that he can't do it, not that he hasn't done it. There's just that's part of the work. They see him as a ball carrier who, hand, who takes handoffs and has explosiveness there. I mean, it's kind of Mixon's role, which is the interesting thing of who you have in the mix now. You have Joe Mixon, Chase Brown, Travion, and Chris Evans. And then after the draft, you have Zach Taylor saying, uh, Joe Mixon's future is here. He's our starting running back. I like Joe Mixon. Those aren't exactly words that we'd heard prior to that draft being over. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities where Zach Taylor was in front of a microphone, asked about Joe Mixon. Those weren't words necessarily like that coming out of his mouth and understandable they didn't know what was going to happen but it it does feel like okay for right now again to use katie blackburn's word (laughs) joe mixon is the plan he's the plan they've got he's where they're at with this thing yeah and i mean we'll see where this lands the contract situation wise but we've talked about it enough that no one's going to value him more than the bengals are and i i you're right. I don't think that you didn't hear that from Zach before the draft because you don't know how the draft's going to play out. Maybe they, maybe they draft somebody that is not in a little different mold than than Chase Brown. And you just wait and see how it plays out at the end of the draft. And Zach felt freer to say that, and they do. I don't. I mean, I don't. Joe is getting older, and it wasn't a great year, but I don't think he's washed. I think he can be a valuable member of this team. It's just where he fits on the balance sheet. And uh, I, I, I think it was interesting that they, they took a guy that is more of a direct comp um, than a, than an offset, like a, a pairing, a duo, the way Samaje and Joe Mixon were. Yeah. And, and maybe that's what he, his role plays into. I mean, we'll see how it is or, or Travion or, or somebody else. I mean, again, it, we enter the equation where there's free agent running backs out there uh, mm-hmm. where you could, you could see somebody else still enter uh, the the mix, but again, there was a very clear statement made uh, after this draft about how they're going forward. Things can change. Contracts will be signed. A lot of money will be used, and when you have that sitting out there, um, you, you never know how that's going to end up. There's, I just, you know, someone was asking this today, and I said, you know, I, I would say there's still a far better chance than not that he's on the roster. I don't know if he's the starter or not week one. I'm probably is, but there's, you can't say for sure, even with this, because there's still just a long way to go. 
There's still a lot of things that have to happen between now and then, between extensions, between free agent running backs maybe becoming available, potential trades, who knows? There's just a lot of things that happen. Does that mean, you know, that right now the, you know, it's looking good for Joe Mixon, but there's still a long way to go. That's all. Um, Let's go into questions. I'll start here to kind of get us into another position in the chat. If you have questions in the chat, uh, go ahead and drop more of those in or just hop on into the queue and we'll start bringing some people here on the stage and you can ask your questions there. Um, let's start with this from Reggie U. What are your expectations for Charlie Jones and Andre Yoshivash? Well, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of Charlie and it's, it's maybe – Maybe not as much as a receiver, but the, he's the guy that, that Darren's been looking for for years. The the guy that can really put some fear into the opposing punter, and um and and he he returned kicks in college too, so maybe he wins both of those jobs. And he is a guy that I could see getting on the field as the fourth receiver and getting some reps and getting some targets. I don't think you're going to see a lot of him as a receiver unless there's an injury, but he's. He's a guy that you're going to notice this year uh, as a as a returner, and then the complete opposite with Yoshibash. I just he feels totally like a project, and um, you know maybe doesn't even make the fifty three. Maybe maybe he's a, a practice squad all guy all year. But even if he makes the fifty three, probably not going to be active on game days. Just a, a guy that that. Troy Walters can really work with this year and and try to m- take all that raw talent and, and make him into something that this this offense can rely on next year. Yeah, and who knows? So maybe maybe he tears it up in OTAs in the preseason and there and he is more of a realistic you know possibility at some point this year. But yeah, for the most part, that's probably what it looks like. And I and I think putting a red shirt year on a guy. Um, is so much easier to do now when you have the the expanded practice squads, the ease of pulling players up and back. You know, worrying about having a guy who takes a spot on the fifty three is just not big of a as big of a deal when it's so much easier to stash and elevate because you that's it's fine. Like he's on your fifty three, you're not going to expose him to other teams because of the talent that he does have and what he could become. Uh, but you don't feel pressed to play him. There's plenty of ways around. Um, having him just sit on your 53 and be inactive on Sundays most of the year. Um, and who knows? I mean, with his athletic background, maybe you feel like he could end up having value for you on special teams. If you have issues there at some point running gunner or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, there's plenty of time to figure out what he is. He hasn't even been in the building yet, but I think if you're projecting, yeah, I mean, this is not the year where you're talking about the role uh, of, of him. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's go. Some of our good friends that have gotten in line in the queue. And let's bring, let's see what we can do if we can guide it. The queue just moved on me. Let's see here. Kevin M., you're up on the stage. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing Great. good. What's happening? First, how was the best beer of the year? Oh, oh. 
Jay, you you go you go first. Um, you know, it was a disappointment this year. If I'm going to be honest, I uh, wow. I I cracked I I cracked it while I was writing my story, and then so once oh. I once I finished my story and actually got over to the Filson near the stadium and had that true first best beer of the year that that one was delicious but i i probably i probably shouldn't have cracked the first one until i was completely done working because it's just hard to enjoy it when you're still trying to tap out 1500 words yeah for a veteran that's a pretty rookie move jay i gotta say on on your part i just i, mean, I just wanted it i, I was waiting yeah. for it for so long i just couldn't wait and i brought some with me to the stadium so i just i had to tap in early it's like eating too much bread at like a steakhouse. Like, I mean, we, what are we doing here? Just focus on getting to the steak. Uh, for me, it was perfect. It was at my cousin Dan's wedding, and it turns out there were about six bourbons uh, that were the best ones of the year that I was able to enjoy, courtesy of the uh, uh, father of the bride. <laughs> Shout out uh, to the crew over there. Uh, it was uh, it was it was so much fun. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. One of my favorites. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and thank you guys so much for the coverage. You guys definitely earned it. Uh, so I guess football question for you guys, a little run passer boot. And I think this goes really well with uh, the initial discussion. So run passer boot, who's most likely to be the day one starter, assuming no cuts or injuries? Is it Chase Brown, Jordan Battle, or is it uh, uh, Jackson Carmen at right tackle? Mm. Um, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, let's see. Uh, I will run with no cuts or injuries. So no cuts. I will run with Jackson Carmen because I just think the path is clearer for him to be in an actual competition. I mean, I, I, he could show up there and if he's serious about it and is able to play well, he could beat out Jonah Williams, assuming Jonah Williams is giving it an honest try. And I don't think that Lael Collins will be fully back week one, um, even with his optimistic view last week. And then Jordan Battle, I you know, is in an uphill climb. I, I, Dax and Nick Scott are entrenched there, and Chase he maybe had. So I would I would then pass on Chase. He has the second best chance because I think I could see him maybe coming in and being really electric. And in preseason, they're like, "Wow, let's just let's just run with this guy." Um, I so I'll I'll say that that's uh, that's the second best chance. So I'll, I'll boot battle. Yeah, I would probably go same order. I just I I am intrigued by battle just because I, I don't they they sign Nick Scott with the expectation of him being the starter, but they they've still never seen him play in this scheme. Um, it, who knows? Jordan Battle could come in and, and play better and, and beat him out. I'm not saying he will, but I, I think there's a chance for that to happen. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it, even though I would boot Battle, I don't know. I'm not writing him off because I, I think there's going to be a, an interesting competition there in camp. And the it, it's hard to say without injury or cuts because it's just, it, it's their right tackle. There's going to be a cut. They're, they're, they're not going to go into the season with Jonah and LC. So one of those guys is going to have to go. And maybe it's not a cut. Maybe it's a trade. Um, but then, as Paul said, you, you just don't know. You don't expect LC to be healthy by the start of the year. So that the injury kind of plays. I guess you were, you were referring to a new injury. Um, but I do. Jackson Carmen talked to him today. Uh, he, he lo- he's worked on transforming his body this offseason. Seems very 
very committed to that. He looks much slimmer. And he, he talked about doing yoga and gymnastics and all these things to include in, increase his flexibility. And um, just, you know, the light goes on sometimes for these guys when he just starts getting it toward the end of that first contract. And it certainly looks like that's the case with Jackson. And I do think that what the the confidence he got from playing well in the postseason, uh, he's he's got a real shot to beat out Jonah for that right tackle. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. With right. 79. Um, I mean, we've heard him say the right. My point being, we've heard him say the right things before. Yeah. Um, and it had, and then when it came time to play, it was bad when he needed it in the preseason last year, when he got run out of the, off the field by Cordell Volson, maybe this is different. Maybe the light has come on. Um, but th- to me, this is the time of year where you can say the right things. And the Bengals staff said the right things too last year. And they felt that was true. And then all of a sudden it was so stunning to see him come out there and just not be good in the preseason, uh, for everybody. I think everybody thought that that would be his job that he would take it and take the next step. Um, so he has another, yet another opportunity in front of him and we'll see if it translates from saying the right things to doing the right things at right tackle. Uh, all right, let's go to the next, uh, question. Let's see. Let's bring John N up here with us. John, how you doing? He might've muted himself instead of unmuted. There you there. There you are. What's going on? Sorry, I was connected to my my car stereo and wouldn't, I couldn't hear anything anymore. So, uh, yeah, good? I heard you guys touch earlier on the whole uh, Charlie Jones conversation, and I kind of, with all the fan, I guess, backlash about them not addressing the tight end position as heavily as you know most people expected them to. What do you guys think about the possibility of instead of, uh, I guess, using the tight end position more of just having four wide receiver sets on the field more often to get the best talent on the field. I mean, if Charlie Jones comes out and shows that he can be that, you know, a weapon that he was at Purdue, why not run more four wide receiver sets? And you can even throw Irv Smith in there when they go complete, you know, empty and then have your running back out there if they don't. I I mean, I think it's a good conversation, John. It's one that we talked a lot about um, when we discussed – what if something happened with Jackson Smith and Jigba and he ended up, you know, have being the bottom of a receiver room that fell, a uh, super draft that fell. And, and you could say, Oh, go just go four wides and go nuts for this year. I, I think you could say the same thing here. That's not, and this staff has shown, I would say uh, a willingness to change things up from what they expected on the fly. They've done it every year in different ways. It seems like, and utilize different offensive styles that you, you wouldn't necessarily see from them. Um, but I do think the bottom line is um, it's valuable to have a fourth receiver. That guy's going to see time. He's going to see snaps. You're not going to even necessarily going to have to create packages. You can have some. You can put a little bit of an expansion uh, on your 10 personnel and, and have that in the back pocket. But they like Irv Smith. And and so him being out there is not a detriment. And having sample uh, is we've seen him play the number two role before on a team that went to the Super Bowl. It's it, it we, we, you know what you're getting there. Um, so I, I don't I don't think you have to change a bunch of stuff or like assure that you're keeping them off the field. Maybe that's something you start doing if Irv gets hurt um, or he's not playing well for whatever reason. You start considering those options. But I think to start out, I think there's plenty of ways that you can say, you know, he's gonna get opportunity. It'll come. Um, and, and just fit in where you can get in right now and focus on special teams game. The, the thing that really uh, kind of struck me from, from listening to those guys talk about get in where you can fit in is 
how much they talked about Charlie in the red zone. I mean, he is such a, a precise and great route runner. And you think of the the big guys being the weapons down there where you can just kind of throw it up to him in the in the red zone. And um, he's a guy that I think that you could see get a lot of reps uh, once they get inside the 20 because you make that one first quick move and get open and, you know, Burrow's going to put it on you. You look at what they did on the, the two-point conversion in, in Kansas City two years ago in the championship game with the, the pass to Trent Taylor. I just think you could see a lot of that in the red zone from Charlie. Yeah. Trent Taylor, tough break. And then yeah. the team wishes him a happy birthday the day after they drafted his, the guy who does all the things he does. <laughs> Yeah, happy flipping birthday! I bet happy flipping birthday. Maybe uh, maybe that tweet was scheduled and they uh, forgot to take uh, it off. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, it was the man's birthday, and you can still wish him a happy birthday, but it wasn't the greatest present that they yeah. could have given him. Uh, okay, let's bring Fisher C up onto the stage. Maybe see if we can get Fisher up here. Let's try and it moved too fast, Jay. Usually, when the name moves too fast off the list, that means they might have gone away. So I'll try again. We'll try see if we can get another name up here. Here we go. Jared R., you're up. What's going on, Jared? Hey, how's it going? I appreciate all the coverage that you guys have been giving us. Uh, it's been Thanks. awesome. Um, so I kind of, well, I guess now that I've been listening uh, to you guys talk, two things. Um, one, uh, just in discussion of Charlie Jones, I thought it was very interesting that they drafted him and he's 25 years old. I know that they typically go with younger guys. Um, and I know that Paul had mentioned a bunch of times that Reed from Michigan State may have been a fit. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on just his age and why you think they decided to go that route. And then um, this kind of popped up when I was listening. For the right tackle spot, um, I feel like it's a little bit of maybe – I don't know, wishful thinking. They're expecting Carmen and Jonah to transition to the right side while uh, Collins is coming off the knee injury. So I just wanted to see, uh, I guess on a scale of 1 to 10, where would your level of worry be for the right tackle spot? Okay. Um, well, the, th- the age thing, and it's, it's a good question, Jerry, because we do hear it addressed a lot. Um, I, I just am not going to buy age for in this case in particular, because it's, it's not like you're getting some dude who's like physically washed. So that's not what this is about. I mean, he's 25. You're getting, you're getting age 25, 26, 27, 28 seasons. Those are prime years. That's like signing a guy to his contract. Unfortunately for him, he'll have a hard time with his second deal, but the Bengals aren't concerned about that. They're viewing on some, how someone can help him for the next four years. So the other, the question I usually comes with it is, Oh, was he just taking advantage of competition because of his age? Cause he was 24 last year playing, uh, at Purdue. And I don't know, man, like if a dude can get open, a dude can get open. He wasn't getting an opportunity to really play at his previous stops, which is what forced him to play while he was older. And you watch a guy make plays and get open. Uh, Maybe that's part of why he's still there in the fourth round. I mean, if you look at somebody who had the kind of production he had and contested catches and the the route polish and that stuff, um, you would think he would go earlier. So maybe the age scared other teams away, but I, I, you know, they don't care. If you can play, you can, and we'll see if he gets here and he looks like someone who took advantage of his age and body maturity in college. But I just don't see that as being something that's really an issue all that often. Uh, and I'm certainly not concerned at all about a second contract for a guy I just drafted. Just see what you got and try to get the best guy. 
Yeah, and it'd be, it would be different if he was an outlier, but there's a lot of guys because of the COVID year uh, with everybody getting the extra year of eligibility. There's a lot of guys that are kind of falling into that that area now. And if, yeah, maybe you don't want to spend a first-round pick or a second-round pick on someone that old because you are kind of counting on them developing into a, a real weapon on your team and and looking down the road at that second contract. But fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're – you know, you're 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 happy to get the the rookie deal, the four years from them, and then see what happens after that. And then your question about concern level at right tackle, I don't, I don't. That's a hard one to answer, just because there's so many questions about all these guys. I guess the the unknown factor is the the biggest part of it. Um, I, I would probably put it right in the middle, right at a five, because you do think that. With all the pieces, they've got Cody Ford that they signed as well, too. They're going to have a battle royale in camp, and, and someone's going to come out of it, and that person is is obviously going to be playing well enough to beat everybody else. It's not like you're just going to have a bunch of donkeys out there. So I, I do. I, I think they're going to find the right fit, and whoever it is is not going to be a pro bowler, but you, you, just, you just have to, to be solid out there. And it's kind of what Jonah Williams has been. He's he's had his issues at time on the left side, but he's been a solid tackle. And the the, the other piece with him is how much was that it? You know, week five, he he dislocated the kneecap the first time, um, and played through that the rest of the year. Uh, how much of that affected him last year? And now that he's had a full off season, had the other knee operated on. Um, we just we've yet to see him. We've yet to talk to him. We'll we'll see if that ever does happen, but. Um, someone's going to come out of that competition as a, as a solid right tackle for this team. Yeah. And you know, the other part of that is, I mean, they've been a very good team, very good offensively. And, and I would argue, you know, right tackle hasn't been what's killed them. Mm -hmm. Uh, even with bad ones in recent years. And there's just, you know, somebody, um, on the staff, said to me one time, like, how many good right tackles are there in this league? I mean, how many coaches are sitting here today saying, God, I love my right tackle? There's way fewer than you think. There's just not as as many good ones out there, and there's not as many teams. So many teams right now are staring at a bunch of question marks um, somewhere on their line. Uh, saying, I hope this pans out or that someone wins this battle. At a certain point, you got to turn it over to that. And they have some serious money and draft capital invested in that battle. They have a first-round pick who's played a ton on the other side. You have a second-round pick who came in with a lot of hype, who's in his third year and starting to feel it. Uh, you've, you know, you've got Lael Collins, who's, don't forget about him, if he can get healthy, who's obviously played a ton in this league, just played for you last year during a, what ended up being a 10-game winning streak. So, it's not like you can't win with that position the way it is. It's not like you don't have a lot of pretty serious names over there. I can tell you, I bet about half the league would take the Bengals' current right tackle battle mm -hmm. in a heartbeat over what they currently have. So my, my concern level isn't that high, only because my expectation level isn't that high. Again, no donkeys, right? You, yep. you, you have really four very solid spots and a chance to be better than okay. Um and I think the right tackle spot is your weak link, and it's okay. Um, you know, you have a really nice line on your hands. Uh, okay, let's 
Keep it going. Let's go to Shane S. Shane, what's going on? Great. How are y'all doing? Awesome doing coverage. Good. Awesome Thanks. coverage from Dallas. So I love it. But Appreciate yeah, it. I was kind of stole my thunder. I was like, we got a battle royale for a right tackle. But um, the corner position, do you think we're squared away with that? Or do you think uh, we use any of those tackles? Maybe Jonah to trade for a tight end or some more cornerback depth. I'll, sure. I'll try to go from there. Oh, no, great, great question. Um, you know, the corner room, Jay, I, I think you got to love where it's at. I, I think, I think the corner room is in fantastic shape right now. I mean, you talk about three real starters. I mean, a, a true big three starters with the way cam played at the end of last season and you're expecting him to jump in year two you i i i feel like cheetah bay is going to come back as good as he was uh hilton's maybe the best slot in the league and you've got a highly touted second round pick behind them sydney jones who still has the ability to give you something he's not nothing you would have happily taken him as his four we talked about that when they signed him sydney jones could be your four there's no reason he couldn't be a four in this league so now you got him as your fifth you drafted this kid, Ivy. We'll see how that goes. Alan George was pretty impressive in preseason last year. Maybe he has a year two jump in a nice camp and works his way into rotation or at least sticks on the practice squad. Jalen Davis has been fine as a as a nickel backup. And DJ Turner and Dax Hill both can kick inside and potentially help you in nickel if you needed it. I feel like you're just really covered at a lot of different spots with your versatility. Um, and then throw in the fact and I'm turning this into a rant and dominating this question, Jay, but, uh, you know, Dax's versatility that I mentioned, you drafted Jordan Battle to be able to comfortably unleash Dax's versatility if you wanted to. You could move Dax down and play him in the slot and have Jordan Battle take over as the second safety if you needed to. A first-round pick with all kinds of talent. You allow yourself to take these versatile pieces and use them in different ways. Let Lou cook. I think the Bengals could not be in a better situation in their secondary when you consider all that they've invested in it the last couple of years and the guys they still have uh, on vet deals. Yeah, and, and they they spent their seventh round pick on a, a wild card. I mean, who DJ Ivy can, can he become something as well? Where yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they are the the starting lineup at corner is set, and there's a lot to like about the depth and the and the uh, the flexibility back there to move guys around. The, the the biggest question is Cheeto and his injury, like it is with LC and his injury. Cheeto's further along because his happened earlier, and same thing as LC. He was he was talking in glowing terms about how well the the rehab is going. We'll see once we get into camp, but uh, all signs point to him being ready. And uh, you, you talked about him getting back to to the level he was at. He was playing the best football of his career last year when he went down. So if, if he gets back to that level. And you've got Hilton, who Zach has called the best nickel in the league, and, and an ascending Cam Taylor Britt. It is a that is an ideal cornerback situation. Yeah, no, I, and, and you can also say that about their entire defense. Something we documented on Friday night. I mean, the way they have built this defense to have these high end veteran, for the most part, starters, all with these you know highly touted top pick young players all right behind them is just an ideal setup for a defense to not just be good, but to last. Uh, all right. 
Let's uh, let's go on to the next question and bring Daniel B up onto the stage. Daniel, what's going on? Hey guys, how are you doing? Doing Great. good. How are you? Good. Uh, I guess. Uh, and apologies if you covered this in the first few minutes, but uh, I joined a little late. But uh, I believe that uh, teams can sign players without uh, having their future comp picks affected later sometime today. Do you think there might be a signing or two of uh, a, a free agent veteran in short order? Or do you think that's something that comes closer to uh, when, uh, like, well, camp cuts are made? Like, if, you're, if you've been talking about, like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, obviously he's on the team right now, but um, of the actual free agents, do you think there's someone that could entice them to, to sign them uh, pretty shortly? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. What do you... Uh, I've got thoughts, Jay, but I'll let you take it because I keep dominating these off the top. I mean, yeah, they could. They still, right now, they're five, they have five roster slots open, and, and that's, I'm counting the, the 10 undrafted free agents that have reportedly agreed to terms with the team. Um, that won't become, those won't become official till next year, but if those all do end up being guys that they do sign, then you got five other openings, and I'm sure they'll bring in some guys to do tryouts for the mini camp. Um, I think it's, I think it's tomorrow, when when you can start signing uh, veteran free agents that won't count in, in the comp formula, and I mean, there's there's guy. I mean, you Paul, you've talked about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and maybe that's something down the road. But Kareem Hunt is out there. There's yeah. there are some, and they they still need a veteran backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, he could make sense. You know, maybe Brandon Allen comes back, um, but. I, I don't know that you're going to see them jump into the fray right away and and grab someone tomorrow as soon as it's eligible, but it's it's definitely on the table. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's on the table. And there's another, you know, Puna Ford is a name because again, uh-huh. we didn't see them draft a, a, a potential backup uh, for DJ Reader. Now Tupo is still here, but if you're looking for somebody bigger that would come in, Matt Ioannidis could come in as another guy in a three tech, and maybe maybe they wouldn't have. Uh, as uh, somebody to compete with Zach Carter uh, and see what happens with that role. Um, You know, both of those guys on the defensive line, maybe. You mentioned Hunt. I mean, it's certainly something to keep in the back of your mind. You know, a guy who's caught the ball a bunch, you you would probably be pretty comfortable with him as your third down change of pace back. And and, uh, somebody who is competing with Travion Williams uh, for that third down change of pace back. Uh, job. I, I think it's possible. Again, the Bengals have comp pick projection of a five and a six next year. So it would make sense for them to wait and not want to give those up if they feel like those the, the players they were pursuing were definitely still going to be available after this deadline. So we'll see how that uh, how that goes down this week. We'll, we'll keep tracking that um, and uh, see if the Bengals make a play. But it's a good question. Uh, I think you're right, Jay. I mean, Hunt sticks out on the list when you start thinking about what they mm-hmm. didn't get and what they don't seem to have right now. Uh, all right, let's – I'm going to take one more here uh, out of the list to bring on stage, and then I'll pop back into the chat. And then, of course, I see Natasha B's here, so we got to make sure we get our Hawaiian waves in in a little bit. So let's bring Andrew up onto the stage. Uh, there you are, Andrew. What's going on? My biggest doing, question Andrew? was doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. My biggest question was about the defensive tackle slot behind DJ Reader. 
seeing how they're building for the future. Trey Hendrickson, Chidobi, DJ Reader still in a real spot on our roster. Nothing really in the plans yet. Do you see anything coming up the pipeline? I'm, I'm not sure I get your question. A DJ Reader is a starting job coming up after his contract ends in 2025. Oh. Sure. Building for the future. Do you see anything coming up the pipeline? Uh, well. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, they, they don't, I mean, I think this was where you thought, uh, maybe you would get that guy in this draft would be the pipeline because you're right. His contracts up after this year, he's in that, you know, we know they're not interested in these third contracts. We just got them talking with DJ and he said, well, you know, the draft, he said, I was pretty happy that they had, they had, uh, some faith in your boy, you know, talking <laughs> about himself and, uh, and not seeing his, you know, clear replacement show up and, you know, who knows, maybe they can find um, an extension with him at some point here, maybe in the next year or, you know, before the season starts to extend him out another year or two, if they, they want to keep DJ reader and out around, but for right now, no, I mean, there, I think almost the entire league can say this. There's no other DJ reader. Like there's, <laughs> there's just so few people that do what he does and, and bring what he brings. And they haven't, they didn't draft for it here. Um, and so you say, who knows what's going to happen there now they, they would probably have to go to free agency next year uh, to try to look for it. I, I, it's not a job that I would see somebody like, you know, Josh Tupo stepping into. They, it would be something they'd have to address either in, you know, sort of like when we saw the, how they addressed Von Bell leaving. Okay. But core player, key piece of everything they do here culturally, love him, but they let him go because, you know, they're not going to go to the top dollar for a third contract. They found Nick Scott and they brought him in and they felt like he was a nice answer. I think you would potentially see the same thing happen. They'd want to get a deal done with GJ. They wouldn't be willing to go to a high number. They'd have to probably go to free agency and then supplement it with the draft pick the way they operated there at safety this year and i could see that be the method that they would take them uh, over the next year to deal with whatever's going to happen with dj reader next yeah because you, you do like tupo as a backup if something were to happen to dj but he's he's not a long-term answer and he like dj he's in the final year of his contract so and, and you think about next year free agency is obviously an option but then too if, if they're picking where they they want to be picking where they have picked the last couple of years late in that first round that is a that's a spot where you you can get a, a nose tackle. You're you're probably not going to take a guy like that unless it's a just one of the the elite elite ones. But most times you're seeing those kind of those nose guard tackles over going off the board late in the first round, and that would hit the Bengals perfect. But you're as far as the pipeline, yeah there there is there is nothing in waiting as far as that position goes. Um. Okay, let, I'm going to go into the chat here for a couple, and we can kind of dive a little bit more into tight ends, which a lot of people are asking about, and we haven't uh, totally gone into this. So uh, this from John Mark B. Paul and Jay, what are your thoughts on tight end from the aspect of the large number of tight ends in this draft versus the Bengals' opinions on the position? doesn't seem like there will be lots of UDFA or practice squat tight ends to get in. I, I want to address the draft portion of this. Um, you know, I, I don't. I think they were as surprised internally as we were that they didn't take someone. I think that was the anticipation: is that they there would be at some point in this draft 
where they felt like their board at tight end would hit the board that was available to them. And it just didn't work that way. They had guys that they liked at the position. Um, they just tended to go off earlier. I mean, you know, Jay, we talked about how you saw an NFL record nine tight ends go up in the first three rounds. Some of those that went on the run happened. It happened early. I mean, sure. You can love Sam Laporta. And I know that they did, but you're not taking him at 28 and he's not making it to 60. And you know, maybe there was a scenario where, where that could have been the play where he's at the top of your board. Uh, but it just, it didn't work out correctly. And the same thing happened with some other tight ends later in the draft that they liked. It just, there was always somebody better on their board than the tight ends that were out there. And so you end up with the surprise of just not taking any. And it goes back to the faith that they had in Irv. I, I, yeah, there, sh- there should be some guys out there. there. It's still a UDFA tight end is a UDFA tight end. If a guy was draftable, he would have been drafted. Um, you're, you're not going to get anything off the street right now at that position as far as guys that didn't get drafted. Um, outside of a project. So, I mean, you're, you're mostly got Sample and Irv Smith. They'll probably bring back Mitch Wilcox. And it's essentially the same group uh, that you had last year. Um, maybe they, you know, Aussie Aussie, maybe there's another version of that that gets, comes down at cutdown day somewhere. Uh, but there's, there's places you can try to add, and I'm sure that they'll look. But, you know, it didn't work out. They hoped it would. And that they, they're not really in a tough spot going forward that they can't easily recover from in, the, in their mind at a position that's sort of, you know, it's not what this offense is. This offense is about 11 personnel and receivers. Yeah. And, and Zach talked about it where he's not just blowing smoke or he says he's not just blowing smoke, that he really does like the room. He likes who they, the, the, the guys they have there. But it would have been interesting if, if Kincaid was available at 28. Did sure. they take him instead of Miles Murphy? Um, and it just it 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 just never played out. Where it, it, any time after that first round pick, it would have felt like a reach. Whatever tight end they were taking, and the, and you know Brian was clear about it at the combine that they were gonna they wanted to get a guy with traits that they could develop, and they they did have these other positions, wide receiver, running back that, that they wanted to address, and it just sometimes that's the way it works out. That it, it, it the board just doesn't hit you right, and. I, it's a bit of a risk with Irv Smith's injury history, but I do think they feel good about the the guys they have in there. It's not a it's not a tight end dependent offense, and you you get somebody solid in there that that can block and and be a weapon for Joe over the middle of the field when called upon. Which when you look at this receiver group and and whoever it is that he's going to be throwing to out of the backfield, you don't you don't need seventy eighty catches out of your tight end. No. And, and again, their offense has had plenty of juice with, without a great one. And so they can go forward without it. But I, I still think there were scenarios where they would have loved to have upgraded the room. It just, it just didn't quite work out for them in this draft. Um, a couple more, I'm going to dive in, in the chat here, uh, before we go back to the stage. Um, let's see. Jim asks, considering the Chiefs aren't in the business of making the Bengals better, what would need to happen for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to rejoin Burrow and Chase? Um, uh, you know, a poor development for that this weekend. The Chiefs didn't select a running back 
Um, so, you know, they, they have Pacheco and Clay Edwards-Alaire and Michael Pirine, but they're, you know, they're, they didn't draft somebody that would allow them to move on from it. Now that could still happen. We know there's some issues, uh, at play there, you can say, uh, and there's time for other things to go down. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it would have helped that case if there had been a draft pick used at that position by the chiefs. Um, but right now, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't add significantly to that room. Is McKinnon still there as well? Jarek McKinnon? No, no. no. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you know, he's, Edwards Lair is still there, very much still there and a part of their, their rotation for now. Um, but you never know what will happen down the line. Yeah, I think Bengals certainly would have been rooting for for a running back to end up in Kansas City, but alas, no. Uh, JRG, I got it. We got to answer Burrow extension questions, right? I think we're contractually obligated <laughs> to get that in. So, any word on timeline for Burrow T or Logan extension? At what stage should we start to get worried? No word right now. I mean, there. You know, I don't think we don't have anything imminent happening. Uh, at, Burrow, I think all expectation has always been that his will get done first. Um, there, you know, other things could happen, but it's just easier on the entire process. If that, if that goes down first and you know, he's the easy one because everybody knows what it needs to be. Uh, timeline is just, it's sort of unknown on when that would happen. Uh, T and Logan would probably come after that. And I would assume those conversations when you get into the off season, you know, both of them being here is, is good for them. And you, know, you get in the off season, you get into camp. A lot of times those deals get done right before camp starts. Cause guys kind of view that as a deadline before they go fully practice. Uh, that'll be one to keep an eye on. Um, and then start to worry is if you get to the season, the season's getting close and they still haven't gotten anything done. That means it might not happen. And, and they would end up getting kicked to next year. Um, you know, we saw that with Jesse Bates, as they couldn't come to an agreement at the end. And all of a sudden, once the once season starts, that's pretty much that. Uh, that's the way they've almost always operated. So that's when I would get worried. If you started, uh, you got past that last preseason game, you hadn't heard anything yet, and you're starting to get into the, the grind of the first true week, we're in that point, uh, you should be very nervous. But I don't, you know, I would anticipate, definitely with Burrow, I don't anticipate it getting to that point. Yeah, these all these negotiations are different, and they they work on their own schedule. But I did go back and look, and uh, of the the last eighteen extensions the Bengals did, sixteen of them happened in mid July or later. So this is just kind of the way they operate. You you, you go through the the negotiations, and then as the as camp as the season draws closer, that kind of serves as the the deadline to to speed it up and get it done. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's go to. Uh, let's go back to the stage here and we've got Dylan S is here. Uh, Dylan, what's going on? Yeah, I guess since we haven't talked about him too much, I wanted to ask a little about, uh, Chase Brown, who I wasn't too familiar with him before, um, the draft, but just seeing his profile, I mean, incredibly productive, um, great on contact. I mean, just great film. Um, I'm kind of shocked that he was even available in the fifth round for them. And I just... Um, I know you said that he was a guy that they were certainly targeting and looking at. Do you just have any thoughts about him in general, his fit with the team, and and why you think he was available for us in the fifth round? Yeah, I don't because I I know a lot of people. I, I think Dane had a fourth round grade on him, and I, that's kind of where I thought he would go off the board. 
and you're talking late fifth before it happened. But um, I do, I think it's a great fit. And it's, you know, was it uh, Zach had talked about at the combine, or maybe it was Brian was talking about the one thing that they wanted to to see out of the running game this year was more explosion. And, and he gives you that he's, he's got that breakaway speed. And um, I don't know why he slid that far, uh, but the, the Bengals certainly are glad that he did. And um, he's, he's, he's a guy we, we talked about a little bit earlier where you could see a scenario where he is possibly starting week one. Yeah. You know, the thing about the fifth round slide and being available it's a product of that depth of the draft. When people say, oh man, what's, where's the draft deep? What the, this is what you're talking about. You're talking about, you can get somebody who is a fourth round player, or even maybe people had them higher than that in a spot like the fifth round, because the teams that needed running backs were just checking them off with the large group of guys and you can find your fit. And he is clearly a fit. And I, I retweeted it. The story TSN did about Sydney and Chase and their story and their background. I I highly recommend watching. It's about thir- it's about thirteen minutes long. It's incredible. Their background and their story and their upbringing and how they got here um, is truly remarkable. And talk about an easy dude to root for mm-hmm. um, when you see their their story and and what they've gone through to get to this point. And I, I think another thing is teams are turned off by the workload. Um, that is a lot of, of wear and tear that he took the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I mean, Illinois was feeding him like 30-plus times <laughs> a game. I mean, it was ridiculous. I think his average was 27 at a high of 41. I mean, they just kept giving it to him really for a couple of years now. And that's a testament to they said, this is the best thing we got, which is good to know that you're getting that. But how, you know, how much does he still have, you know, how much do you have in him as far as volume and, and what he can handle? I don't know. He clearly can handle a lot. It hasn't hurt him athletically. He tested out the wazoo uh, at you know with nine point eight one RAS score. You're, you're you're not talking about somebody who looks like he's washed physically. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean you have to worry. They got to figure out his pass pro and his receiving ability and kind of get that honed in and, and work on it. But that's not hard to work on um, when you see the other things that he has as a ball carrier. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how quickly he hits the ground running and, and how he looks in camp. It'll definitely be a storyline that we'll be following him. And I think it was a great find. And, and you're right. I brought up them as targeting him. Um, I can tell you, I was told early in the process, his name, and, mm. and it was one to keep an eye on. Um, I didn't know if it would come to fruition, but I know his name certainly was in, was in the mix early on. Uh, all right, let's, I'll do one more and then we'll get to Hawaii. So let's bring, uh, Eric K up onto the stage. Uh, let's see. Maybe potentially. There you go. Eric, hey, you are, are you with me? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great. good. How are you? Hey, doing great. Hey, thanks for all the, uh, the coverage, the stories, pods, these, uh, these live rooms really, really appreciate it. Um, no super quick, super quick question about, uh, that Samaj P Ryan role, as you all talked about earlier. Um, with Brown being more in the mix and mold. I know y'all mentioned uh, Kareem Hunt earlier. Um, you know, Chris Evans kind of disappearing last year. Travion Williams not really doing that job. What do you all see uh, with the check down game being so important with this offense that the team um, may do to address that, that particular position? Yeah, man. What a question. I, I don't know. I think 
I think they are going to look to Travion to try to be one of those. I mean, they're not, it's, you know, it, it's not going to turn into the most electric thing. They just don't, there's nobody at their disposal right now, barring some kind of a trade or something like that. But maybe it ends up being Chase Brown. I mean, maybe Chase comes in and, and handles that and proves that he can do that and he can be in that role. Maybe, you know, you still have Mixon here and I, I, he's not going to end up in the third down role, um, but he's going to be a part of things somehow if, if, you, if you need him to. Um, you've got Travion to try to learn how to do it. He's, I don't know, Jay, leader in the clubhouse would be Travion right now, at least for week one to be in the third down role. Yeah, I would think so, but I mean, maybe with the the intent or the hope that it is Chase Brown, uh, that they're gonna work on the you know Justin Hill talked about it. Work, you've got something to work on there. It's not a lack of willingness. He just hasn't had to do it a lot, so they're gonna work on him with Pass Pro. And I believe it was twenty seven catches he had last year, which isn't a, a lot, but it's not like he's completely unfamiliar with with doing it. So. Uh, you're going to probably see that a lot in OTAs and in camp, and and see how he can work out of the backfield. I, I like I I honest I don't know I haven't seen enough of Travion in pass pro. I know he's he's very quick and elusive and can catch the ball and make plays in that regard. But do they have enough trust in him to to be back there and picking up blitzes? Um, that's all going to have to sort itself out through OTAs and camp. But I, I think. Maybe the the wish list there is that that Chase Brown does develop into that, and then it as the question. It's a very good question. What happens if that's not the case? Yeah, I mean, I think it could be still a developing situation there, and there could be other names that we don't even have right now that end up entering. Yeah. I think still, still a long way to go. It's I don't think it's totally um, figured out yet. All right, only one way to end these things, Jay. Uh, we can do it the same way we always do and bring in our good friend Natasha B up onto the stage. Natasha, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing there good. Go. I, I'm not, I'm not hearing the you, waves. Paul, you know, you guys start these things and I'm six hours behind, man. It's tough. I can't always <laughs> get to the beach. You know? <laughs> I, I missed the first half if I'm being brutally honest. So if I repeat something, I'm very, very sorry, but I'm six All hours good. behind. Understandable. So, <laughs> you, you're A for effort. <laughs> I was going to address running back. And then, you know, the last two questions right before me were running back. So I have a pretty general question. I apologize if it was touched on. But now that the draft is over, free agency is probably mostly over. Do you think the 2023-2024 Bengals have a chance to be better than last year's Bengals? On paper, do you think the team is better or worse than last year? Mm. Go ahead, Jay. I I think they are better. Um, it's you, you you go kind of even away from the personnel added versus lost. Just looking at at Joe Burrow being a year older and a year better, and and all these guys that the continuity. I know we harp on it a lot, but it is a big deal. And you've got all. The, the coach, the head coach, the two coordinators together for five years in a row. A lot of these guys have been here for a, a long time. Um, the depth on defense is just incredible now with the way they've stacked it up over there. The defense is really what's been kind of driving these last couple playoff runs. Um, so I, I do. I, I, I think there's still question marks, but overall, 
I think this team is is right now looking better than last year's team, and and certainly has a has a chance to to prove that. Um, and, and just before Paul answers with his his take on it, I'm just curious: is is Yoshivash your new favorite Bengal? That he given that he's a Hawaii native. Oh, I. I, I put Natasha off the stage. Oh, you took her off the stage? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, let's just sorry. assume he is. Oh, yeah, I have to, I have to assume. I have to assume. <laughs> you, you, get a, you get a Hawaiian here. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I have a hard time saying anybody is going to be better than what I saw at the end of last year. I, I've said it many times. That 10-game stretch is the best run of football I've ever seen by players in the Bengals uniform. I've never mm-hmm. seen a team – that was that inevitable before and just, just destroying everything in their path uh, and finding every single way to win imaginable. So with that as the backdrop, I'll say there's a chance and that is saying something. I mean, they, they do have a lot of work to do. How big of an effect will the Bates bell loss be in the transition to Hill and Scott and, you know, Mm -hmm. Jordan battle now, um, Will there be a year two jump uh, from Cam Taylor Britt? Will you you see him get better? I mean, will we see any fallout as some of the starters get older on that defensive line as you get into another year older for Hendrickson, for Reader? Um, Hubbard's still young. I mean, you you never know when that stuff is going to start to see a down year happen. The good news, I, I think defensively, they definitely have a chance to be better. It's the, the Bates Bell cerebral core being gone effect how how significant will that end up being and offensively i mean what's different they've added orlando brown at left tackle they're gonna figure it out at right tackle i think you feel like the line's better is irv smith better or worse than hayden hurst i don't know I mean, we'll see. It's probably about the same. You still have Burrow. You still have the big three. You have Mixon and Chase Brown. You've got options at running back. Burrow's a year older. Uh, you know, I, I <laughs> there's no reason to say this team can't be better. There's there's no reason. I certainly think the offense, if you get the protection immediately early on and them understanding who they are uh, more so with the downhill gun, ran, gun run game right off the jump, the continuity. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they can't be better. There's a reason they're a betting favorite along with the chiefs above everybody else right now, because they're, they're stacked. They didn't lose any major pieces. Uh, they're motivated. They've loaded with draft classes. I, it's hard not to like where your roster is at as you sit here today. There's, we can nitpick these holes, but where it matters, they're great and deep. And, uh, that's significant. All right. I guess we wrap it up from that. Uh, reminder, uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, seven o'clock 50 West brewing company, myself, Jay Bengals director of college scouting. Mike Potts will be down there. You can stop hearing from us and hear it right from them. The path to their draft, uh, how they found guys, the traits that they liked, how it all came together. You've got questions there too. Mike will be happy to take them on within reason. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a great time. Some beers will be tipped. 
so looking forward to all of that. If you can come down, come on down. I'll talk to Bobby today. I'm sure that there will be ways and places to keep you warm. Unbelievable, Jay, that I think our January 1st uh, live podcast is going to be warmer potentially than our one that happens uh, in the first week in May. I don't know. Cincinnati, man. Yeah, it's two years in a row. The weather's kind of bit us on these live these live pods. But as of as of now, no tornado warning. So it's on. It is Fingers on. We can crossed. deal with we can deal with cold, not liable death. So uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we will hopefully see y'all tomorrow night. And that that podcast will archive and post to the feed as well. So all that content coming your way. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.